it. Thanks, little three-year-old. I didn't even know how to respond to that. I was like, yeah. Like that meme that says, uh, drunk people, children, and leggings will always tell the truth. <laughs> oh, I hadn't just... heard the legging ones before. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, and welcome everyone to Marvel DNA, the podcast where it's just a couple of chicks breaking down everything awesome about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I am Diane, and I'm here with Amanda, and today we're going to talk about the epic cinematic masterpiece that is spider-man no way home uh yeah we are and uh here of course is where we put in the obvious disclaimer that we are going to be going through this bad boy start to finish so a spoiler warning is in full effect if you're one of the three people who hasn't seen this beautiful film yet get your ass into a theater and then come on back and listen oh no i was gonna say if you're just like one of those rogue crazy people that doesn't mind spoilers then just keep listening oh that's true too yeah if you're not spoiler averse pull up a chair join us Diane, what did you think of the movie? It was fantastic. It was it was all just the nostalgia, and it was heart wrenching and beautiful, and and just it was it was wonderful. Initial initial reactions, um, I loved it so much. I went and saw it the next day, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. two different theaters. It was really interesting. The first theater, everybody lost their shit in a couple of scenes, and we'll be discussing this later. Uh, the second, uh, theater people were a little bit more subdued. So I don't know. I think it, it it was a lot more fun in the first theater. That was for darn sure. I definitely feel like I got robbed on this because we saw it. I took my boys to see it on Thursday when it, when it was opening and, uh, nobody in the theater, like when, uh, Andrew Garfield comes in, there was some mild clapping and that was about it. And then... And I went, I did the same thing as you did. I went a second time. I went to go back and see it by myself a couple days later because I'm that girl. And it was the same thing. I was kind of secretly hoping because it was a later showing that maybe I would get some people who would be like, ah, because it was still the same weekend. It was still opening weekend. No, they suck too. So I really got robbed on that. You did. did an internal happy dance. Good. Yeah. (laughs) You did get robbed because like I said, that first theater we were in, people were cheering and, and, and when Andrew, when he caught MJ, uh, cheering as well Ugh. um you know cheering, tear, that tearing. was a tear jerker so oh my god <laughs> so many tears right so many tears right but one scene and we talked about this last episode a little bit um a scene that i was excited about but not nearly as much as i should have been uh was charlie cox is back he's daredevil he's in the house and I am totally a bandwagoner on Daredevil, the Netflix series. It was not something I had seen before because that horrible movie uh, really ruined it for me. (laughs) It shall not be named. I'm not going to lie. So I didn't, I really resisted the series for a long time. And now that I've binge watched all three seasons of it, I, it was, it's amazing. And I've actually gone back to watch that Charlie Cox cameo. And it was, it was incredible. And one of my favorite things that I've really been batting around lately is just the fact that he actually caught the brick before Spider-Man did that came through the window. So not only, I mean, and he said, cause he's such a badass. So Tom Holland has the Spidey sense, right? He's got all of that, that precognition or however you want to say it. And Daredevil has it even better than him, which is amazing. Or maybe he's just fine tuned it better. Maybe they'll dive more into that in future Spider-Man movies. But Daredevil caught the brick and said the great line, I'm a really good lawyer, (laughs) which was awesome. So I'm very excited to see 
Daredevil and Charlie Cox making a comeback. I'm hoping they'll bring some more of the Netflix guys in, but that was definitely uh, one of my favorite, favorite cameos in the film in retrospect. I also am a bandwagoner. I've only gotten one episode in so far because uh, we're packing our house. Mm-hmm. I will get around to it. Yes. And the first episode was was intriguing. So I, I will mm-hmm. definitely be watching more episodes. And uh, Matt Murdock seems like a really interesting character. And Daredevil, the Netflix version, seems really cool. And I think it's awesome that the MCU is bringing these, these characters in some form or fashion in, and kind of making, I don't know, what, if their plan is to make his, his Netflix series canon, uh, because there is another character in another TV show that's part of the Daredevil world, Netflix world that shows up uh, on on the Hawkeye series. So, so it sounds yes. like Kingpin. sounds like they're all in the MCU. So, so yeah, yeah. And you know, a character I was really excited about because I I just loved the scene. I love the interaction between uh, Peter was Doc Ock. You know, when he shows up, when things start uh, just initially start going sideways, and they introduce him, and he shows up, and their little their little interaction and their fight, and just how he's like antagonizing Peter, and then he realizes that's not his Peter, and he's a little confused. And then Peter's his nano suit decides to kind of go exploring the the octopus or arms and pairs. I just love the Bluetooth concept of this where he pairs. That's amazing. <laughs> he just pairs with his arms and then he, and then he takes over and he even, you know, he goes till we get your situation situation figured out. I'm in, I'm in charge. You're <laughs> I mean, the interaction as a whole. I'm connected I love, to your Bluetooth. I'm connected to your Bluetooth. I'm in control. I've remote accessed in. I've hacked your crap. I've hacked your <laughs> shit. I'm in here. I'm in control. I just, I, I mean, like the part alone when the nano suit had that special technology where it actually came and protected his exposed chest when the, when the one yes. arm decided to try to go after him and, and tried Ooh, to kill. I that mean, rough. Oh, looked really rough. And that was really beautiful. Yep. And then that was so yeah, Doc Ock was a really fun because for me, Doc Ock was not really a villain in a sense. It, I mean, the inhibitor chip on the back of his neck got damaged. And you mm-hmm. know, he got he got a little twisted. I mean, even at the end of the Sam Raimi Spider Man, you know, he kind of realized he was able to take back control and stop the machine. Of course, he perished, unfortunately, but it was still a cool it was he's still a really cool dynamic character that I really enjoyed. And so it was fun how mm-hmm. they introduced how he was introduced into no way home and then uh, like i said of course his interactions with peter throughout the rest of the movie were were quite interesting and quite fun he kind of even went back and forth a little bit within no way home i thought so because i really enjoyed alfred molina is very good anyway but i really right. enjoyed i think he went in a in a healthy way not a norman osborne way we'll get to him in a minute but i feel like alfred molina because of that inhibitor chip uh he he started out as the villain. And then they kind of helped him come back to normal and regroup. And then for a minute there, I mean, Electro grabbed him and I thought he, I thought he fried the inhibitor chip again. Right. And then at the end you see that it's like, no, he's still a good guy. Oh, and it was so exciting. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. It was. He had, he had Peter's back. He did, which was also fantastic. He had all three Peter's back, which was also awesome. I love it. So yeah, speaking of Green Goblin, what's your, what's your thoughts on, on, you know, Willem Dafoe, the brilliance of Willem Dafoe coming back into the MC, into Spider-Man world and Spider-Man verse and the MCU as a whole. So it's really, you can't say enough about the brilliance that is Willem Dafoe, especially as Green Goblin. I loved that he came back and I especially loved that 
he has stated he wasn't going to come back unless there was a, a good storyline for his character, uh, which is a testament to, I think, the writing in the Spider-Verse just in general. I thought he did an incredible job. The way that his character transforms as well, I mean, he has uh, arguably one of the biggest arcs in the movie where he goes from, you know, even in, in Doctor Strange's, uh, what, the crypt or whatever that was, the dungeon slash laundry room <laughs> in the basement. I think, I mean, he was talking to Peter, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. He brings back that incredible line in the delivery. And so he's, he's, he's a cool dude. He's Norman Osborn. And he was still kind of a dick, but not a, not a crazy dick until later. And he even, when they ditched the iconic Green Goblin suit in the alleyway, and it sort of mirrors Tobey Maguire doing that in, in his Spider-Man, I just thought it was really well done. And Willem Dafoe carried it all the way home. When he goes crazy, man, he doesn't fuck around. He goes crazy. He knows how to do crazy. What about you? What did you think about him? I think he was fantastic. I, a couple of my favorite parts were the dolly cam when Peter started, when his spider sense picked up that he switched oh, from being yeah. Norman to the Green Goblin. That was one of the most Ooh, nerve wracking yeah. kind of anxiety inducing scenes. And it was just, I mean, when he goes, that's a neat trick. And then later when they're fighting each other and he's literally throwing Peter through floors and, and Peter is on top of him pounding on his face and he just has this maniacal smile and he's laughing. Oh, so it is terrifying. So and I also really loved that William Willem was like, I want to do my own stunts. The guy's in his early mid 60s. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, he did him. not. Well, Damn. if you think about it, because when he was in, there were going to be quite a few scenes where he was in. In the Green Goblin get up and that would have just been a stunt double and it wouldn't have been they wouldn't have built that really awesome uh glider that he was on it, it it's just the right. movement is so him that I think it's awesome that he was like no I want to do my own stunts I mean look if Tom Cruise because he's around the same age if Tom Cruise can still do his own stunts why can't Willem do That's his own true. stunts you know so uh I it's really love the same age I they're right around the same age I think um we might have to look that, that up crazy just to, to me confirm those details but i believe you I just, <laughs> um it's like it's like finding out chris hemsworth and andrew garfield are the same age just that is so unnerving like it I, freaks me out and i don't know why i can't even tell you why it's weird can't even it's tell you why. it's it's weird it's uncomfortable so and then along those lines you know willem dafoe brought such an amazing villain in and or mm -hmm. re rebirthed this villain that was fantastic in in the Sam Raimi version. And like you mentioned before, you know, where they've tried to create additional iterations of the Green Goblin, which in my opinion, I think it's kind of one of those things where it's like, how many times are you going to bring this same villain back? There's so many other villains right. that Spider-Man fights in the comics, in the so 19, in the, in, in the cartoons. So you've got a, a plethora of villains to pick from. You don't have to keep regurgitating the same ones. And so like the Green Goblin is like the main villain that that uh, Spider-Man fights. So you kind of have to bring him in. But I really liked how they kind of redeemed uh, Electro 
in a sense. I mean, yes. what's really interesting is he's kind he almost seems like a different universe version of Electro instead of the Amazing Spider-Man version because he, yes, and he and did. what's really kind of funny is Connors makes a comment, the lizard makes a comment where he's like, "Uh, last time I saw you, you had buck teeth and a co- comb over." And which is kind <laughs> of how he looked in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. So, they kind of changed him up a little bit. Um maybe apparently this version actually does know who Peter Parker is because supposedly when Doctor Strange does that spell, he's only supposed to pull in people or the people that end up getting pulled in and the villains that end up getting pulled in are the ones that know Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Well, Electro in Amazing Spider-Man never knows that those two are the same person. And so because he looks different and his behavior is slightly different, then Mm -hmm. we could make an argument that maybe there exists because technically if all three Spider-Mans get pulled into the MCU, then all three versions of the Green Goblin get pulled can exist within the different universes. Mm-hmm. So sure. you could make that argument he could just be a that variant. he could be a variant. Exactly. And so, which I think they did a good job with this Electro. I mean, I don't really have a problem per se with how Electro looked in Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, and we'll no. kind of get into that a little bit. I kind of liked how, because they, you know, at the end, his his electricity mask look resembles what's in the comic. And you the and comics, I are big yes. We're not big comic readers, but at the end of the day, that's what these movies are based off of and get their influence from. And so, you know, it's always fun when you have these little Easter eggs where you've got characters that are pulled in that reflect the character from the comics. Like in WandaVision, when there's the one episode where she's wearing the classic outfit that she has. The Halloween episode where she's got that Mm -hmm. outfit that's that's classic for the comic books in Vision as well. And so... In Vision too, yeah. Exactly. And then you've got Sandman... You know, the CGI from the Sam Raimi Sandman really isn't terrible. And I think they did a decent job with the Sandman. He was kind of a throwaway character in this movie. He was a throwaway villain. He wasn't really, you couldn't really tell if he was a villain. You couldn't really tell if he wasn't a villain. He was just kind of there. I think he was always in that in-between space, though. I feel like Flint Marco was always just, he was like a small-time crook. And he got in over his head and he was just doing it all to help his daughter. And so you could kind of celebrate that aspect of him. He just was trying to do what he could to get his daughter healthy, to get her medical bills paid. And that's all he wants. He wants to go back to his daughter. He just wants to go home. So He just wants to go home. Yeah. So, but he doesn't know that the title of the movie is No Way Home. Right. And so he was in trouble from the start. Poor Flint Marco. <laughs> I felt like the CGI, I think the only reason they brought him back, and I don't know, again, much about the comics. I believe he is a member of the Sinister Six. But I will say, I think they probably brought him in, ironically, to cover up a plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> that if the spell was pulling in villains who knew who Peter Par- that Peter Parker was Spider-Man, they were like, oh, we got to pull in Sandman because he knew in the right. third, the third Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire, um, which is ironic because that's just such a small plot hole compared to some of the others we'll talk about later. <laughs> yes, there, there are but, there are some glaring plot holes. So, and then of course the so last many. villain is is lizard and he's just a fanatic man he you know when he took his serum it kind of fried his brain as well and just kind of made him think that everybody becoming lizards was the next step in evolution and he wanted to speed that process and use the ganali device to turn everybody into a lizard and so him at the end of the day he he was actually kind of funny i i loved the line where they were like up until this moment i didn't think you could talk and he was just kind of there he was kind of there 
he was just hanging out and he was kind of there just to wreak havoc just a little bit. And, and so he, he, yeah, no big, I mean, really the villain, the true, true villain was Green Goblin. And then the true kind of in between villain where that Peter really kind of, I think associates like we can't kill these guys is the, the change with Norman. And then finding out that because with the nanotechnology, they were able to kind of figure out that, yeah, with Doc Ock, you know, they were able to, he was able to figure out that, okay, Mm -hmm. well, this guy's not actually a villain. He's just got something going on and we just need to fix it. One of my favorite things about the entire Spider-Man single movies, uh, starting with Homecoming and then Far From Home and No Way Home, is his his he had some problems with his suits. And it all harkens Every back time. to the first movie with him and Tony where he's just trying to be helpful and he's trying to be an Avenger because he's really excited that he got pulled in for that one little thing with, in Civil War and he wanted to prove to Tony that he can do it and he's kind of causing a little bit more of a mess and so Tony's like, he's like, I'm nothing without the suit and Tony says, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. And so there's this That's running right. theme through all three movies where he loses his suit in some form or fashion. It's not that it goes away, it's that... Uh, he gets green goo dropped on it. He has to turn it inside out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ends up having to use his his the night monkey suit, and and it's night no <laughs> and it's no different in this movie. I mean, he's he literally has his suit turned inside out, and he has MJ and Ned duct taped to the front uh, on his phone, and they're paying attention <laughs> to him, trying to figure out where these other guys. You know, that's where how they introduce Sandman and Electro, which was just. I couldn't stop laughing in that scene because it was just so funny. Oh, it was amazing. And and constantly, I mean, he also has gone through, uh, other than the other two Spider-Mans, I think the other two Spider-Mans, between the two of them, they went through maybe five suits. And I believe yeah, he's total, gone through, if that. if that, and he's gone through, I think, 15. And it's just, it's the different iterations. It's the different things that happen with his suit. And it just cracks me up all the time because he doesn't have a suit. And, and, he's, and he's in his boxers or he's, whatever ends up happening, it's just hilarious. And he's forced to improvise and then of course at the end at the end the very end he has the classic spider-man suit that we all that we all know and love and he's made it himself because the sewing machine is sitting there by his window and and if you think about it all three movies are his origin story right where he now is he's the friendly neighborhood spider-man and he's Mm -hmm. you know it's Mm -hmm. the ground level superhero and and he's ready to go save the day. So 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 that being said, what's really cool is the MCU Spider-Man is different from the other Spider-Mans because he's got a team of people. And so, you know, it's yep. really cool seeing MJ and, and Ned helping Peter out. And so, you know, what are your thoughts on that, that part of it? I really liked this episode or this episode. I really liked this movie because one of my I've always liked MJ. I think Zendaya does a good job with her kind of a very different portrayal than MJ and certainly, or the Mary Jane, and then certainly better than, or different, excuse me, than Gwen Stacy. Um, she's a very different character. She's sarcastic and a little bit distrustful and uh, paranoid, which is fantastic. But she was a little rough around the edges. And what I really liked about No Way Home was that we got to see her soften up a little bit. She's still tough as nails, but she's very much in love with Peter. And I don't think it's because he's Spider Man. I think she just loves Peter. And so, For her to actually, you know, when she grabs his face and she's like, look at me, we're a team. We're in this together. You know, next time you decide to do something that could maybe implode the universe, you should probably talk to us. Maybe we can troubleshoot something, you know? (laughs) 
<laughs> figure out some other possible solutions. <laughs> exactly. And so she went from being a character that's almost sort of like a snarky side character. Uh, and they're always my favorite anyway. But she went from that to being a true heroine in her own right. I like Ned. I've always liked Ned. Uh, he's a funny guy. He's a good guy that you want in your corner. And to see the three of them, the, he never feels like a third wheel. And I think that's what I love most about it is that once MJ and Peter started dating, Ned is still there. He is very much a part of their team. There's no, except I guess there is a little bit of third wheel when he goes up on the roof and bothers them. But other than that. <laughs> but that's for like two seconds. <laughs> he's very much a part of the team. The only thing I'm not loving with Ned is where they're trying to make him. I like him as the guy in the chair. That's yeah. where he should be. He should stay the guy in the chair. I don't want to see Ned the sorcerer. I just want to see him as the guy in the chair. So I don't know how I feel about them retconning his story into the magic. Well, I think the problem with them retconning it is because they waited until this movie to add in offhand comments that literally took a second to say that they could have laced into the other movies because in the comics, Ned Leeds does become the Hobgoblin. So there's a nod mm -hmm. to that mm -hmm. during the spider bro moment where they're doing the science bro thing. And we'll talk about that in a little <laughs> bit where he's like, I promise I won't go crazy and try to murder you because in the other <laughs> versions in the amazing Spider-Man and the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, Harry's not really a buddy in no. the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans. Harry's a frenemy because he steals her girl and like, he's kind of backstabby and the dick. Mm -hmm. And then in the other ones in Spider-Man two, amazing Spider-Man two, He's just, oh, yeah, I forgot he's got a best friend named Harry who happens to be the son of Norman Osborn and and like in two seconds becomes an evil guy. And uh, did they say he was best friends with them? Did they or were they? I thought that they were just like acquaintances in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. There's one specific scene that they they half-assed trying to set up and establish a backstory that Harry and Peter have known each other for a very long time and used to be good enough friends that Harry would be at their house on a regular enough basis that he knew Norman. So here's the thing. Wow. Uh a good director and a good storyteller can get two really good actors because Dane DeHaan is a pretty good actor and Alf Andrew Garfield is a stupid good actor. And He's so neither that. of those two, I think, were digging the direction that they were given for the way to portray those characters and that relationship. Mm -hmm. It falls very flat. It doesn't because you can tell the direction they're trying to take it. It is not, it is, it does not come off that way. It doesn't come off that they no. are. And again, it's because he's nowhere near, he's, he doesn't exist in the first movie. And then all of a sudden we're supposed to believe this kid, they've known, they have a history, they've known each other for a really long time. And then all of a sudden, and he's got like this illness. He's yeah, that's suddenly destroying him at like five times the rate his dad was destroyed. Like that was right. Ridiculous. And, and we could, we could absolutely spend episodes on the, yes. on those two universes. We could, and I don't want to talk <laughs> too much about it because I, well, because <laughs> Andrew Garfield has always been my favorite Spider-Man and mm -hmm. the, and he was done dirty. And so, and it yes. was because it was poor storytelling and poor poor just poor everything like he is the quintessential spider-man he's the classic 1990s cartoon version of spider-man and they did not have good storytelling so i think that's half the reason that his movies didn't do very well because the storytelling was just 
horrendous. And so back to Ned, I feel like they just kind of, they sloppily added in that he's got magic in his family. And then he was, and, and you know what? Here's the thing. People are quick to call Carol Danvers a Mary Sue. And I don't see anybody talking about how Ned is a Marty Sue with the sling ring because in (laughs) Dr. Strange, they spend a significant amount of time at Carmitage showing students, not just Dr. Strange, learning how to use the sling ring and open a portal. And it's not just as simple as, oh, I wish we could just see Peter. And it was, I that annoyed me because A, nobody's yep. talking about that. I thought that was a little ridiculous. B, like they're better writers than that. And I understand they needed to figure out a way to introduce both Peters. They could have done it in a different way because it was a throwaway retcon because now now that nobody's remembered, all of a sudden, are we supposed to just assume that somehow Ned Leeds becomes the Hobgoblin? Because they are doing Spider-Man 4. And right. so at the end of the day, it just, I, that didn't sit well with me. So that was kind of the one thing, that was one thing with Ned's character that didn't work for me. And I agree with you. He needs to be the guy in the chair. He's he's a great guy in the chair. Yeah. He's And Peter's never had a team before. The the other two versions of Peter's, they've, he's never had a team before. And it was cool to see that he had other people that had strengths that he didn't necessarily have that were able to help him out. They weren't jealous. They weren't trying to steal his thunder or trying to get in the limelight because of him. It was literally like they just wanted to help him help other people and they used their strengths to do that. And so, so yeah, that was, that was kind of an issue. I'm, I'm glad you and I both had an issue with Ned because I feel like they, they kind of retconned yes. him and it was weird. I didn't like it. And I like Ned. I've, I've always liked Ned. So I don't really understand why they need to take it in that direction. I'm assuming they have a reason, but it uh, feels maybe like they didn't need to cram all of that stuff into one. That's yeah. the other thing that bothered me, I will say, because I am a huge fan of Doctor Strange. He's one of my absolute favorite Marvel characters. He was a one that I had zero interest in. I'm not going to lie. I didn't see the movie when it came into theaters. I didn't really give a crap about it. I'm like, nah, this looks okay. And then when I found out he was going to be in Infinity War, I thought, well, I better watch Doctor Strange so I know what's going on. And then I watched Doctor Strange and was like, holy shit, this movie's so much fun. This is awesome. I can't believe I was such a jerk about it. I was an asshole. So I love Doctor Strange. I love that he's sort of the counterpart to Tony in a different way. He's very, very intelligent. He's very good at what he does. He's very arrogant. And I don't know. He has a Tony Stark quality to him without being Tony Stark. I don't know how they did it, but they're both very good at those two dual roles. I don't feel... It's possible they're going to go into this in Multiverse of Madness, but I don't feel like Doctor Strange would have done the things he did in No Way Home. And maybe he's a variant or maybe it was just the way they wrote his character. I absolutely love Wong, but I absolutely hate that he's like the default Sorcerer Supreme now because Steven got blipped. I thought that was like a a quick two second line that I was like, wait, what? They didn't address it. And again, it's not his movie. Fine. But for him to just... The coffee mug was priceless. I did like the for Fox's sake coffee mug. (laughs) (laughs) That was an awesome coffee mug. That was amazing. And that was true to character. But I feel like even though they got blipped and even though he knows and loves Peter and he says that at the end, like he's like, the people who love you won't remember you. And you can tell that it really bothers him that he's not going to remember Peter. It still felt like very reckless. It felt very reckless for him to do this. And he contained the spell and everything, but it was just like, wouldn't you have a sit down with this kid? Because you know Peter, and he's going to have a million things to say, just like he did when they were doing the spell. Like, maybe just have a sit down, script it out. 
do an outline like Diana and I do, because we know we're going to go off on tangents if we're left without any structure. (laughs) And we still do, even with structure. (laughs) And we still do. And so that's why it's so important to have an outline. I just... I felt like that was a little out of character for Strange for him to get stuck in the mirror dimension. Uh, I think it's amazing that Peter used geometry to kick his ass. But for Strange, who was maybe not the Sorcerer Supreme anymore, but he is like he was. So maybe let's I don't know. I don't know. That bothered me. Well, can I just add to so three times now, Dr. Strange has opened up the mirror dimension and he's supposed to have total control when he does that. And he's had his butt handed to him. He's not. All three times. Every time. And Every time. and again, it's one of those things where I feel like it's almost like a running joke where, you know, like dummy, where dummy is, dummy is just like that running. So I feel like it's almost just this running joke now. I mean, Spider-Man literally defeated him with math, which was absolutely hilarious. And that was cool. That was so funny. And it was just, um, it, it's fun stuff like that where it's, it's, they throw these little things in there. And so I feel like, yeah, there's something off about Dr. Strange. It was very bizarre mm-hmm. that somebody that has the knowledge and experience as the Sorcerer Supreme or somebody who was. I mean, look, he yes. went through how many million scenarios and that was just for Endgame. Right. Think about how many times he had Dormammu trapped and died in order to convince him yep. to let them go. The guy's been around the block a few times. So my the big yes. issue was, A, better. Why are you letting a teenager talk you into MIBing the entire world into forgetting right. who you are? Or I don't know. No big deal. Why don't you just say, uh, how about you erase what Mysterio did? I feel like that would be simpler. Yes. Now, again, you have to open up the door for the multiverse. You have to open. I get it. I feel like. Because because what's so funny is it took me a second to piece all that together. Yeah. Because the movie, the third, the second and third act of the movie is just so brilliant at bringing in that nostalgia, oh, so ex- bringing in these uh, brilliant characters, bringing back these actors that are like, I don't want to be here unless it's substantial. Andrew Garfield was the same. He goes, I, I would love to come. I loved, that was his youth. He loved playing yes. Spider-Man and and it was his heart was broken not being able to do a third movie and and not getting to portray Spider-Man again and and he even said he also was like I'm not coming in unless it's something I, I don't want to be there for two second cameo I want it to be you yeah. know a good part and I found out later on that he ad-libbed the I love you guys and they kept in the reactions from oh, Toby and Tom because they're both kind of like uh oh, thanks awesome uh, um which was thanks. just hilarious which was priceless. And uh, the fact that Andrew Garfield says it from a genuine place of just, and he said, <laughs> he's like, I, just, love I love them, yes. which makes me love Andrew Garfield so much. So much. And so it's one of those things. It just, it was, it again, it was sloppy and they did it in such, they MIB'd us. They did. They totally MIB'd yeah, us because the whole time you're sitting there going, this is amazing. This is amazing. And then after the fact, I was like, <laughs> That makes no sense. Like what? So, Wait a minute. So it's so funny because it's a massively glaring plot hole. And yet I'm going to 100% forgive it because oh, yeah. of the awesomeness that is the third act. Because there, the Absolutely. third act is just A, nonstop. It's just it it's amazing and and it's just and you know it starts with something extremely tragic and I don't think there was a single dry eye May died and it's directly as a result mm-hmm. of Peter's actions which also 
sucks. So like, like, I mean, if you, if you didn't cry when Aunt May fell down the second time, you're dead inside. They should actually use this in psychological tests. (laughs) And if you don't cry, you're a psychopath and you need to be locked away because I am dead inside. And I was sobbing just hysterically when she died because Marissa Tomei acted the hell out of that scene anyway. She She got up and I thought, oh, shit, she's still kicking because I had no idea. I thought Happy was going to die. That was the big the big death that I thought was coming was going to be Happy Hogan. I did not see it with Aunt May. And I guess I should have in hindsight, but she stood up and I was like, okay, she's going to be okay. I guess it didn't hit her as bad as I thought it did. And then she fell down again and you're like, oh no. And when he's holding her head and he's like, it's just you and me, it's just you and me. It not only mirrors what she said to him before, but it also, I mean, it's also very true. I mean, he has Ned and he has MJ as an extended family, but it's been him and May. And they mentioned it in the beginning when the cop is like, For all intents and purposes, you're his mother, and that's how he feels. And so he's sitting there holding the last family member that he has and understanding this is not only his fault, but that she's okay. She's just like, you did the right thing. It doesn't matter. Uh, And, of course, she delivers the iconic line, and she does it. Start that again. She delivers the iconic line, and she, she says it comic accurate, which I did not know until I read that later, that with great power comes great responsibility is not uh, word for word what they said in the comics, but what May said was. Um, So I thought that was really, I mean, so many tears. My kids didn't cry. Maybe they're psychopaths. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like children get a pass sometimes. I guess. When it comes to I'm going to keep my eye on them either way, though. Yeah, just just keep an eye on them. (laughs) Because if the Green Goblin takes me out, those fuckers better cry. And they better avenge you. <laughs> they better avenge me. You sons, you bastards. I was going to call them sons of a bitch, but I'm like, oh, you can't. That's, that's me. <laughs> it's still true. It tracks. It's fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> so this, the tragedy starts us off and it gets the ball rolling. And even though the pacing in this movie, I thought from start to finish was really good. Right after May's death is really when things get kicked up a notch. Because that's, of course, when we get introduced to... Andrew Garfield coming in with MJ throwing bread at him. Yes. Why did you do glorious. that? Do you not have the spider tingle? I do. Do you have tingle? But not for bread. <laughs> I totally have a Peter tingle for bread. And I'm just going to say that right now. Yeah, we all do. Bread's amazing. <laughs> no, that, I, it, again, you know, uh, plot hole to get you there at the end of the day. When Andrew walked through that, when he walked through that portal and Ned's grandmother's freaking out. And so he's like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I'm, and he pulls his mask off. And and like oh. I said, I was in a good oh theater. And so we all lost our shit. And we were like, ah! And... <laughs> And, and then just, and then, and then of course, Toby and, and we've talked about this before. I'm not a fan of Toby Maguire. And at the end of the day though, Spider-Man one, Sam Raimi, that's still like, there's a special place. I think in every person's heart, he's the OG. And when he's, (laughs) and Andrew or uh, Peter three, as he becomes to lovingly be referred to later on (laughs) when they team up, uh, Andrew Garfield's uh, Spider-Man, he even makes a comment. uh, He's like, are you going to suit up? Are you going to go as the, uh, what does he call him? A uh, youth pastor. Cool youth pastor. Cool youth pastor. <laughs> and I, I really love. I mean, it's so funny because that meme, the spider, the meme where all the Spider Men are pointing at each other, that has oh existed for years. And I believe it is part of a comic. Again, I don't read the comics. Um, I'm getting my knowledge from one of my good friends, um, Jeff. Jeff, the comics guy. 
Jeff, the comics guy, that's what we'll, we'll just call him that. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, they did it. And it was just amazing because they did the whole Spider Bros thing when they're trying to, oh, so you funny. know, when Peter 3 was like, well, I've, I've cured him once uh, for, for the lizard. He's like, I'll take care of him. And, <laughs> and you know, Toby's uh, Peter 2. Uh, you know, Spidey too, he, he's been thinking for years about a way that he could possibly cure Norman Osborn from the, just the psychosis that he went through, uh, turning into the Green Goblin. And so it's just really cool when they're sitting in the, uh, sitting in the, uh, the science lab together at his school and they're tinkering and making these things. And what was really beautiful was the, the moment that happens between Peter and MJ and the other two Peters kind of see what, what are, what's going on. And it's, that's not, again, that's something that doesn't really happen. It happens a little bit between Gwen and Peter in Amazing Spider-Man because they Gwen finds out pretty quickly on, well, actually Peter tells her that he's Spider-Man. Um, and then MJ, it takes her three, you know, it takes her a couple movies to figure out that he is Spider-Man. And so, and then you find out later on that they actually found a way to make it work, which again, it's a little bit of a nod to Spider-Verse. And if you've seen Into the Spider-Verse, yep. the animated, it's just so fun because you've got the two different, so you have- good. Yeah, you have Peter B. Parker, and it's just really fun to kind of like see the different iterations because there are there's so many different iterations of Spider-Man in the comics, and so it's fun to see them kind of pull those different things in. And then there's when they do team up, and and it's so funny because at first they're all kind of trying to do their own thing, and it's not working. And mm -hmm. Peter One, our MCU Peter, Mister Cinnamon Roll, Tom Holland is like, well, we need to be a team, we need to work together, and they're like. I've never worked on a team before. And I love the part where he goes, well, I don't mean to brag, but I was part of the Avengers. And, and Peter, one of the Peters goes, is that like a band? Which is kind of a is nod a to... And then Andrew Garfield is like, you're in a band? That's awesome. <laughs> like, like, let's stop what we're doing. I want to tell you how cool it is that you're in a band. Like, Andrew Garfield looked so genuinely excited. You're in a band? stoked he looked totally stoked and it was just there's also there's a slow if you if you because i didn't catch it it took me until later that i saw a slow motion of this but there is a part where they're when they team up together and start working together peter one mcu spider-man is using his own web slingers to launch the other two spider-man when they're traveling oh, around shit. It's cool. So slow that down because you'll see it. It's when all three of them are running and they jump off the scaffolding and they're uh, slinging ah, spider webs right. all over the place. Um, speaking of spider webs, I loved the part in the lab too where where they realize that Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, <laughs> it comes out of him and there's a whole... It comes out of I mean, Andrew Garfield's face alone is just like, oh my God, he's, so he's horrified he's so and intrigued at the same time. He is just like, this is disgustingly fascinating. It's just, there's so many. And he again, shakes it off. Seriously, there, again, it's, this is why the plot holes, you're just like, I, what, what plot holes? Care. What, what glaring mm -hmm. plot holes? I don't care. I don't care that mm -hmm. Electro didn't know who's who Peter Parker and Spider-Man were, that they were the same person because you're getting all of these little gems and it's just juicy and it's delicious Beautiful. and you're getting these treats and it's just yum, 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 yum. And you're just being fed by Marvel <laughs> and you're just, you're just eating it and eating and eating. It was a fan service video. It was completely it was 100 a fan service fan. movie. It was a hundred percent fan service and I'm here for it all day long. I will watch. That will be Absolutely. one of my top watched Marvel movies next to oh, yeah. guardians and next to Thor Ragnarok, which reigns supreme. Look, the entire audience lost their minds the biggest 
when Spider-Man 3 caught MJ because he redeemed himself. Oh my God. Oh, so many tears. I cried then again. Oh, like, because in the comics, Gwen Stacy does die pretty much in the way that she dies in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Even down to her wardrobe. Oh, it's awful. And um, and it is... It is one of the like biggest ugly ugly cries I've ever done. And so when you see in the previews that they're just going to every single Spider-Man's girlfriend gets tossed off of scaffolding or something by the Green yeah. Goblin, every <laughs> single one of them. And and it was just it was such a beautiful scene because Peter one goes to get her and the Green Goblin's glider takes him out and Spider-Man 3 is like, "Oh, no way. I'm catching her." Hell no, I got this. And he caught her different. Oh, he did. He caught her. He didn't use his web to catch her. He, he learned, caught her. He remembered. And MJ's line was just so good after he asked her if she was okay. And she's like, are you okay? And he's just like, thank God I caught her. He's crying. And yes. we were all crying. But I we think what makes that especially, I mean, it's beautiful, but it's also especially tragic is that, you know, he had been replaying that moment in his mind on a loop just over and over again. And that is, they actually, I have to say, they faked me out because when I saw the trailer and you see Spider-Man's hand reaching down to catch MJ, I certainly wasn't the only person who thought, oh my God, if Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are in this movie, that's going to be Andrew Garfield's hand, not Tom Holland's. Right. And then when Tom Holland originally jumped after her, I was like, oh, my bad. I guess they're not. And then the glider took him out and you're like, oh, oh shit. And then it was just... <laughs> It was all over after that. It was just so oh. beautiful to see that. And the other the other big moment that faked me out was at the very end where Tom Holland is just beating the shit out of Willem Dafoe because he is just, that rage is completely fueling him. And Tobey Maguire steps in and stops him. And the look on his face, it's just, it was so beautiful. And Tobey Maguire, I thought, really did a good job conveying exactly, like, we knew what he was saying. By just looking at Peter. And I've I've read some people say that, you know, why didn't their spidey sense go off that, you know, Willem Dafoe was going to stab Tobey Maguire. But I think it's because they were both so engaged in that moment. I really do think that's what it was. I really think that that's not even a plot hole. I think that Tobey Maguire was focused so hard on, on Tom Holland and he was just so full of rage. He was seeing red that they just didn't even see it coming. And I thought for sure Tobey was going to die. I, and I was going to cry again. I was seriously like, they could not, you're kidding. I was really glad that they didn't. I was really I was too. Didn't. And the way that they wrapped it up was even better with him and Andrew Garfield and Andrew Garfield going, you're in a lot of pain, huh? And he's like, oh, yep. so much. <laughs> <laughs> so much pain. I thought that was so beautiful. A much better way to end it because I thought, oh, no. It was feasible they could have killed off Tobey Maguire. He was the OG. He was the youth pastor of the group. Like, I just was ready for him to die, and I was going to cry so hard. So I'm glad they saved him. Yeah, it was really, I mean, what was really cool, too, was bringing them in. It was, like, at the age now, like, in their universe, you know. Yes. uh, Tobey Maguire wasn't aged down. He's, he's like, in his 40s or or whatever you want to call it. Um, Andrew Garfield, same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, he even makes a comment where he stopped pulling his punches at a certain point. And so they, this is... This is years. They're still Spider-Man. It's been years. They're still Spider-Man. They're still doing their thing. They're still, and they're they're working through some traumas. I, I feel like that there was a lot of things that the movie could have touched on with trauma, but they decided to go with the action sort of, again, I mean, we got fed so many yeah. beautiful things. They, we got WandaVision on how to deal with trauma. 
<laughs> right? That was heavy enough. <laughs> that was heavy enough. They're like, yeah. one vision was enough. I cried a lot during that too. So we don't need yeah. to inundate them with the, too much more trauma. <laughs> Which again, I pretty much spent the entire movie bawling. So I, it's... Oh, for sure. You know, it's just one of those things like, I, I'm an easy crier. If a scene is done well enough and I believe the actor... Look, if I believe the actor, then I will believe the feeling. And Tom Holland is a very believable actor. And so is Andrew Garfield. I, I again, I have issues with Tobey Maguire as a whole as an actor. And so okay. I, it's hard. I kind of have some prejudice when it comes to that. And I do agree with you. I think he did a great, I think he did a great Peter too for No Way Home. I, I, I still think he's, 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 it's the same Peter. And, um, it's very meek. It, very yeah. just, oh, thank, I hope you don't mind. I just walked through the thing and now it's closed. Cool youth pastor. I feel like he, <laughs> he, was, he, the was, cool he was the cool That's youth pastor. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think they really did do, I think they did all three Peters justice. I think they did all three Spider-Mans justice. I think what's really cool is, so this movie was supposed to be Tom Holland's last Spider-Man movie. And mm -hmm. it's gotten, this movie was received so well that I, I heard that he signed on for a fourth. And so... Which is great. Which is great. That being said, I don't know when, you know, because Kevin Feige, uh, ruler of all, I mean, he <laughs> will... <laughs> he, I don't know where he's going to fit that. I don't, I feel like in the next two to three years, that's not something that's going to fit in there. So it might be something down the line. Um, and if that's the case, mm -hmm. will he be a little bit aged? Uh, ad additionally, Andrew Garfield, they've opened up talks in getting... and You know, here's the thing bandwagoners Yay. sometimes get it done because like i said i've been saying since they came out amazing spider-man was my favorite he he was my favorite spider-man of all three guys I, I love tom holland he's adorable he's cute he's he's my little baby he's my little brother kind of thing andrew garfield like i said he i grew up in the 90s watching the cartoon version of spider-man and he just he was snarky he was brilliant he was he just kind of embodied that character for me and so the and i was really bummed out that he didn't get a third spider-man again i believe the first it was because there was just really poor writing done especially with the second one the first one was okay yeah. the second one the writing was just very it was sloppy and so i'm really they were hoping... trying to cram they were trying to cram five pounds of shit in a in a two pound bag is what it was they it's were trying to bad. set up the sinister six they were trying to go in all these different directions and it just they even had scenes with mj shot uh with andrew garfield and it just they they ended up sacrificing the movie for the money unfortunately right. and that's exactly it didn't work out it didn't ultimately. and so, so in a way i'm actually i was just gonna say in a way i'm relieved that we didn't get the third amazing spider-man because i think it would have been a shitty movie and exactly now, hopefully we're gonna get a third one that's going to live up to what it should be and i don't believe andrew garfield will sign on for it if it's not well, and, and that's the thing, because he's been very outspoken about, you know, well, he hasn't been, look, he made comments about why can't Spider-Man explore his, his bisexuality, and they made him retract those comments. And so, you know, why can't there be a bisexual Spider-Man? If we have a spider pig, <laughs> why can't we have a bisexual Spider-Man? If we can have Spider-Ham, Spider-Man can like whoever he wants. He can like, he can like boys. What's wrong with that? So, that's and fine. It, that's fine. Andrew Garfield would be the, the like best character to do that. So 
Hey, I'm I'm glad for that. I'm I feel like they're gonna Kevin Feige's gonna make sure that, and and even um Sarah crap what's her name she's the lady the head at Sony you know they've really done oh, uh, Amy Pascal oh, you know what's really funny about Amy Pascal so you know the see again where they introduce I found this out when they introduce uh Spider th- Spider Man three he comes to the portal and MJ throws the bread at him apparently one of the first meetings they had to talk about Spider Man Homecoming she threw Amy threw a sandwich at Kevin Feige oh my god. So that was kind Shut of up. a nod. No, I'm not kidding. That was so. That was basically a nod to Kevin Feige. I don't know. I don't think it was done in in anger or anything along those lines. Um, because I, I feel I like I just wanted to see it. I don't even know what it was. <laughs> I just want to see someone throw a sandwich at Kevin Feige. Right. That's amazing. And so, so yeah. At the end of the day, and even they were talking to Toby. You know, talking to Toby about in some form or fashion, maybe. Yes, I heard it, that. Because look, we've opened up the multiverse, so. There's a lot of different things we can do. Anything is possible. And so we've got all the Spider-Mans. And what's beautiful is before No Way Home, I don't think everybody would have been like, yeah, bring all three Spider-Mans in. Now everybody's like, please, I want all three of them. I want to keep all three of them. I want to see movies by all three of them. Bring them all in. I want them. Absolutely. That is something that the Avengers started to do. And the I, the Avengers is the first the first movie I ever saw that really made me fall in love with the MCU. I didn't see Thor or Captain America or Iron Man until after I'd seen the Avengers and fell in love with everything. And I was like, holy shit. But the Avengers at the time was very groundbreaking for bringing all of these people together. And now we're like, oh, that's no big deal. Like then it went into, you know, Infinity War and well, even Captain America Civil War before that was huge. And they just keep getting bigger and bigger. So with No Way Home they've cracked this open between that and I mean, really WandaVision leading into multiverse of madness. There's really no, there's no boundaries anymore. There are no boundaries. So I'm interested. I'm interested to see where they go with it. I'm a little scared to see where they go with it because the one series that they're talking about incorporating into it is the one series they just can't get into. And that's what if from Disney Mm -hmm. plus I'm having a hard time with what if, but you know, if they're bringing in other universes, this opens up, and we saw it in the post credit scene, our boy Venom. And not everybody knows this, but Diane and I, our friendship is founded on Venom. <laughs> it is. <laughs> the very foundation on which we are speaking today is because we were emailing back and forth uh, as we knew each other from work. And we're starting to talk. It's right when Venom came out. And then you were like, is it weird? I I want to go see that. Will you go see that with me? Is it weird if I ask you to go see this with me? And I was like, uh, no, it's not weird. Let's go. Let's go get margaritas and see Venom. And we did. And it was fucking awesome. And I absolutely love that movie so much. I have not seen Let There Be Carnage yet. I know I need to. But the first Venom, critics be damned. I thought it was so much fun. Tom Hardy's the fucking man. I love Topher Grace as an actor, but he was not Venom. He was not Eddie Brock. And he has actually said so. Uh, He's come out and said as much. He's like, nope, wasn't for me. And it's nothing against him. That was just a whole nightmare we won't even get into. But Venom itself was amazing. And he's left a little love behind, apparently. And we're going to get to see him in the MCU. Now, I I get the impression that it's not going to be the same Eddie Brock and Venom that we see. Although, I don't know. It has to be the same Venom, right? Because there's a little piece of the Venom. But it may not be the same Eddie Brock that we've seen in the Venomverse. I don't know. Or, but, or Morbius, because Morbius has made a reference to Venom. 
in the trailer, which is hilarious. But then also Michael Keaton, who plays Vulture, is in Morbius. So is that the same Vulture from Homecoming? Or is that a variant? I don't know. Like now we can't even theorize on anything because literally anything goes. I will just say Tom Hardy needs to be Eddie Brock in every universe. That's all I want. I don't care what he does. I don't care who he is, what kind of, if he's in the military. I know there was a variant of Eddie Brock that was a military man instead of a reporter. Great. Sign me up. I'll watch Tom Holland or Tom Holland. Sorry, Tom, (laughs) not you. I'll watch Tom Hardy in military gear all day, every day. I just, he has to play Eddie Brock. That's all I'll say about that. So I don't know what your thoughts are on Venom since it's a shared love of ours. (laughs) Well, so two things on Venom. So the reason the Sony, so I don't know if anybody's paid attention, if you're not familiar. So the Sony Venom with Tom Hardy does not have the spider emblem on it. It's a different emblem. And it's because Venom is introduced in the Spider-Man comics by melding with Spider-Man first. And then he he becomes, yep, exactly. And then eventually they end up separating. That epic haircut. Ugh, no, no, not the Sam Raimi, not the Sam Raimi version <laughs> in the comic. It had to be said. It had to be said. I Ugh. wrote nothing. It's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> ah. Uh, anyways, um, God, it literally so cringe, so freaking cringe. Uh, where was I? Oh, <laughs> I got lost track. Sorry. <laughs> how horrible that that scene is. So because Sony, it's technically not Spider-Man because Sony and MCU were in bed together when they were uh, doing Tom Holland and his Spider-Man. So they didn't really want to uh, confuse the universes because Sony technically is not part of Marvel. And they own the Spider-Man universe, which is where Venom is from. And so because Marvel sold Spider-Man to Sony like in the 90s. And so... So long story long, um, so that's why our Venom, <laughs> our Tom Hardy Venom does not have the spider, uh, the twisted spider on his chest. And and they kind of okay. did a slightly different origin story. So that being said, Tom Hardy is Eddie Brock. It, it, it's it's just like Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. Yeah. In my opinion, I don't think there's Absolutely. anybody else that could play Eddie Brock um, as well as Tom Hardy does. That being said, here's no. here's where my theory, I feel like they could pull in Tom Hardy and have both universes. Because look, in Endgame, Brody brings up Hot Tub Time Machine. Well, Sebastian Stan is in Hot Tub Time Machine. So you could make the argument that Sebastian oh. Stan and also Bucky Barnes exist in the MCU and they're just two guys that happen to have the same face. I want to be in that universe. Right? And so then you could have a, a guy walking around in California named Eddie Brock and then the British actor Tom Hardy that both exist in the MCU. Or, I mean, maybe Tom Hardy doesn't even exist mm. in the MCU because they haven't really Love mentioned it. any of Tom Hardy's movies. And so and so he, Tom Hardy could be Eddie Brock. I mean, it could exist. And yes, Venom lifts lift a little piece it. of him. Here's a little fun tip too. So Venom, the, the symbiote, and Spider-Man. So the symbiote is connected by hive mind. And so the reason why right. Venom got pulled in is because different universe Venoms do know that Peter Parker and Spider-Man are the same. And that's even though right. our Sony Venom didn't know who he was because of hive mind, that's how he got pulled into the MCU. And then Right, cuz he was he was he was in Eddie. They were lying in bed. Yes when the the spell happened and then he that's when he kind of turned into venom and licked the screen 
Right, because he's yeah. That's the end credit of There Will Be Carnage, and and that's how he right. ends up at the the tiki bar in Mexico, and so and then with Spider Man, so there's the scene where uh, Doctor Strange uh, shoves his astral projection or his astral body out of his right. physical body, and he was like, how? Because he went to grab the box from the physical form of of Peter, and he was he was avoiding. Uh, Dr. Strange's hand and Dr. Strange is like, how are you doing this? Exactly. And it's because, so in the Spider-Man comics, all of the different versions of Spider-Man throughout the different universes are connected by a web. And that's how the spider sense works is if the web Uh gets vibrations on it, that's how the spider sense works. So his Uh Spider-Man essence is not just his, his spiritual part of him. It's physically part of him. And that's also how he was able to, uh, so those are fun little, fun little tidbits and, and theories. That's cool. I learned something today, Diane. (laughs) Can you tell I got excited? I, I got excited. I, this is fun and educational. That's what this is. That's what, the we, bring more you know. That's what we bring to you. The more you know. The more you know. Speaking of things from the 80s and 90s, we all saw that star. Is that a trademark? Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> um. Well, I don't think we're popular enough yet to worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> we'll worry about that later. The more you know. And on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. We uh, we want to thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we broke down this just unbelievable movie and all the juicy goodness packed inside of it. We know you have a lot of choices when it comes to listening to other people talk. And uh, Diane and I are stoked you've chosen to listen to us. If, uh, if you don't think we suck and you'd like to hear more, please subscribe. And of course, we'd love it if you left a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you give us five stars, we promise to live up to it and also send you a cookie. But don't hold your breath on the cookie. Please be nerdy, be kind, and always remember, these are just our opinions. Do you have anything you'd like to add? Maybe an idea or a topic you'd like to hear in a future episode? Hit us up with an email at marveldna at gmail.com. That's marveldandda at gmail.com.